Thanks for checking out this video. My name's Kiara, and I hope you enjoy this message from Redemption Church. Morning. Woo! Welcome to camp. Week number two. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. Uh, so let me catch you up. This is only week two of camp, so if you missed last week, that's cool. Uh, I can catch you up here rather quickly. Uh, so the point of camp, all good camps, is to make friends and meet Jesus. Hopefully you made some friends this morning uh, during worship or while you were, uh, we had some time to, to chat with people around you. Uh, if you if you didn't make some friends there, you can make some friends with us at our bonfire coming up. Uh, it's June 21st. That's a Friday night. Bring your own lawn chair. We'll take care of everything else. And we're just going to hang out together as a church family and get to know each other a little bit better and, uh, and, and just have some fun. And that's the point of camp, to, uh, to loosen up a little bit and, uh, and to enjoy ourselves every Sunday morning. Uh, but then, of course, at some point in time, we turn to the scriptures and we see what, what they have to say to us this morning. And we're journeying through the gospel of Luke. And so if you're looking for a Bible, a reading plan over the summer, I would just say read the gospel of Luke as, as often as you can. If you don't have another plan uh, in place, just keep reading through the gospel of Luke because you're going to meet Jesus in this gospel. Last week, we kicked it off. We looked at Luke 4, 1 through 2, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. That's where we left off last week. That was also our memory verse. If you didn't learn it last week, you're only 0 for 1. You can recover from 0 for 1. So you got time this week. Took me about two minutes a day uh, to make sure that I had it. That's why we gave you note cards. Write it down. Learn it. It's good for us uh, to, to know God's word, to study it, to recite it. Because then when we recite it, we're not just saying a mindless verse. We're reminding ourselves of the truths of that passage. And so last week we saw how Jesus, full of his humanity, full in his humanity, and also full of the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness, uh, the wilderness, the intentional season of preparation, and there in his humanity, he withstood the temptations of the devil, tempted for 40 days when he was ridiculously hungry. He made it. He came out on the other side, not just full of the Holy Spirit, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, because we come into camp, we come into the wilderness, we come into the season of preparation one way, we come out of it another way. That's the goal this summer for each and every one of us and for us as a church collectively. This morning, we're not going to see Jesus in his humanity in the desert or in the wilderness. We're going to see Jesus actually covering up a bit his deity, and we'll see that in this story. What happens immediately after Jesus leaves the wilderness, he heads into his hometown, probably to get something to eat. He shows up, and he goes into the, the synagogue where he would have been often as a boy. He would have been well-known there. And he, at some point in time, it came to the point in the little synagogue service where anyone could get up and they could read a passage of the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus gets up there, he reads a familiar passage of an Isaiah, quotes it, or actually flips in the scroll, and he reads it, and then he says, all right, this whole passage of scripture is about me. Everyone kind of looked in and thought, well, that's incredible. And then they embraced him, they worshiped him, then he kept talking, <laughs> and they wanted to kill him. So, good first day. Jesus then, it says, slipped through their midst. Kind of a, we don't know what that means. If he turned on his, you know, Frodo, Lord of the Rings thing, disappeared, whatever. Um, but somehow he gets away. And the next time we pick Jesus up is in Luke chapter 4, verse 31. And he's gone to Capernaum. Right after saying that his primary objective would be to proclaim the good news of the gospel, Jesus goes out on a teaching tour. 
Now, when we're talking this summer about meeting Jesus, we're not just talking about uh, you having encounters with Jesus. We're also talking about kind of relearning who Jesus was by studying the Gospels. Sometimes we have this idea of what we think Jesus is. But when we go back to the Scriptures and we read the stories, and again, we're reminded, wow, who was this guy? So we're going to see who Jesus was, is. In this point, he's gone out now, and the passage picks up. It says, he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. Jesus, at this point, is a traveling teacher. And so there goes Jesus. He's going to go, and we're going to see this all throughout our, our, our time at camp. Jesus traveling from town to town, preaching. Jesus doesn't go out on a healing tour, never does that once. He goes out on a preaching tour. So Jesus goes out to preach or to teach the good news of his gospel, the good news and the values of his kingdom. He went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching because Christ's primary mission and objective was to proclaim the gospel of his kingdom. He was teaching them on the Sabbath. Who's the them? Their uh, fellow Jews in their synagogue on their Sabbath. He was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. I looked at every source that I could find this week that I normally look to, could not find one teaching on this text. So I had to go back to the original language a lot to kind of understand the text and to see what was going on here and um, what is primary. So this morning, I want to try and pull that out for us because Jesus is setting a precedent on his first teaching tour. It says he was teaching, again, the reminder that the primary focus of Jesus's ministry was the proclamation of the gospel. Now, what's the result of Jesus's teaching? And he was teaching them on the Sabbath. He would have been teaching them out of their Old Testament. And they were astonished, astonished, at his teaching. One translation uh, or, or interpretation of this word gives the idea of being um, blown off your feet. As in you hear it and, and you're so uh, astonished, so shocked, that actually knocks you off your feet. When is the last time you heard something so good, so amazing, a voice so beautiful, a, 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 a teaching so powerful that it literally knocked you off your feet? That's the word here. They were saying, knock them off their feet. No wonder Jesus' movement grew so quickly that people flocked to him from everywhere, that they worshiped and they bowed down uh, to him as king because when he spoke, it was like nothing they had ever heard before. Now, these are not pagans who had never heard biblical truth. These were people who were well-versed in the Old Testament scriptures. They knew them very well. They would have memorized early books of the Bible. And when Jesus gets up to talk about the exact same text that they had heard teaching on for years and years, it knocks them off their feet. The word astonished here is the word espresso. It's where we get our word espresso. Just kidding, not really. But the idea kind of makes sense, actually. Espresso as in it, it, it makes your heart race. Does it, 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 it burns inside of you. Triggers something. Who is this Jesus? 
Who is he that we want you to meet? He's a teacher whose primary mission is to proclaim a gospel of good news and a kingdom of values that are the reverse of the world's. Has he astonished you lately? Have you let your heart really hear? Your mind really understand in such a way that took you off your feet? This is Jesus. Now, what was it that was astonishing? It says he was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his what? His teaching. He hasn't performed a miracle. He hasn't turned water into wine. He hasn't sent the demon running yet. His words, his gospel, his teaching was astonishing to them. It says they were astonished at his teaching for his word. His word, the word, word is logos. Maybe you've heard this word thrown around. It has a couple of different meanings uh, throughout the scriptures or different ways to interpret it. This particular interpretation uh, is a word, not just as a declarative statement, but as an ongoing conversation or discussion. In other words, Jesus wasn't a TED talk. He didn't have like nine minutes of good material. It was an ongoing discussion. It kept going and all of it was astonishing. As he moved through all of the scriptures, as he taught from Genesis uh, all the way to Malachi on how it all pointed to him, all of it was astonishing to people. It was an ongoing conversation. Jesus said a lot. Have you listened a lot? You know, someone made the comment to me a couple of days ago. They said, I don't know how preachers uh, uh, preach on, uh, every week, having to come up with new stuff that has to be so hard. I was like, are you kidding me? It's a really big book. Most of my people haven't even read it once. There's a lot. And it's all about Jesus. And it's all astonishing. It's beautiful. You're to marvel in it. Sometimes we're bad at marveling. This last week, Lindsay and I and Reagan were on vacation um, up in, uh, around Traverse City. And so we went to the, the sand dunes and there's this one, it's called Empire Bluff. You drive to it in your car and then uh, you run down a very steep sand dune. Um, it took me four and a half minutes to run downhill on the sand dune. I mean, you feel like you're on the millennium force. Then you have to get back up. It took me 20 minutes to get back up uh, bear crawling the entire way. Great workout. Here's what I didn't do enough. I didn't stop and look back at the incredible view and beautiful lake behind me. Because in my head, I just thought I want to be 20 minutes, right? I have to make vacation a competition, of course. And I didn't stop and look back. Behind me was a beautiful scene. But I was so focused on getting through. Even sometimes when we read scripture or we go to church, we listen to a podcast, and we do something that we think is spiritual, even then, 
So often our only thought is I wanna get through. I wanna get to the other side. And we fail to stop and marvel, to be astonished at it. It was astonishing to these Jewish people that the uh, story of Joseph and his brothers was really about Jesus. It was astonishing to them uh, that when David cried out in the Psalms, Jesus said, and I was the answer to that cry. It was astonishing to them that when the Israelites were going through their tragedy, their trial, and their persecution by foreign nations, and they were screaming out for a redeemer, that Jesus came and was their final and full redemption. And Jesus taught this to them. They marveled. Have you marveled at Jesus and the scriptures? There's a passage of 2 Corinthians that's in the New Covenant, the New Testament, after this after Jesus has already ascended up into heaven that I was reading this last week. And I hadn't, in my personal time, read 2 Corinthians in a long time, and I got to this chapter, and it melted me. And I read the same chapter over and over because the beauty of it. I didn't want to move on. Have you marveled at Jesus? How beautiful this gospel is. How much he loves you. How he wanted to win you. They were astonished at his word. He said a lot. Have you listened a lot? He said a lot. Has it moved you a lot? Has it moved you? Or do you just hear it? You just hear it. Understanding the gospel, understanding the kingdom is a lifetime quest. Anyone who thinks that they've arrived only reveals that they don't understand at all. Anyone who says, I've, I've already read that part of the Bible, means they've never read it for what it really is. Anyone who thinks, I've heard enough preaching I don't need church. I've matured beyond that. I don't even need to go to the Bible anymore. I, 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 I've learned it all. Really hasn't learned a thing. Not a thing. I hope. No matter how old you are right now, 10 years from now, you love and marveled at Jesus more than you ever have before. That you would gaze at the beauty of the cross like it was the first time. He went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching for his word, his logos, this ongoing conversation that he was having them possessed. It owned, it controlled something. We'll talk about that. There's a, uh, a clear contradiction that's being uh, created or uh, uh, two things that are opposing, it seems. Uh, there's Jesus' word that possesses authority, and then there's going to be somebody else who's possessed by something wrong. So there's two possessions that are happening in this story. For his word possessed authority, or another word, power, is used and could be used. The word here is excuse, 
which is kind of a fun word. And it means the total amount of strength that an object has. It's total strength, everything that's within it. Now, there are three other objects in the scripture where this same word is used to describe those three objects. One of them is Satan. Another one is a scorpion. That's scary. Another one is saved people. The exact same word and the exact same power is associated that is being talked about here with those three objects in different parts of scripture, two in Revelation and one in the book of Acts, multiple times actually in the book of Acts. Satan, scorpion, saved people. Same word described and given to them. But here's the one difference. The one difference between those three objects and the way the word is used here. And the other three objects... Every time that the word is used to associate with those objects, it is um, spoken in such a way where the authority or the power is granted temporarily to those objects. In other words, it is bestowed or given to them, not inherent or intrinsic in them. The difference here when it's describing Jesus is that it's not a power or an authority that's granted. It's already intrinsically in him. He doesn't have to go earn it. He doesn't have to receive it. He has it. The authority and the power here, the astonishing authority and power of his gospel is in Jesus's very nature. Here's what's crazy. By the way, the believers or the people listening here, they could have never guessed this. But the same power that astonished them early on in Jesus's ministry is going to be the exact same power that Jesus is going to promise them at the end of his ministry. What? Jesus' name himself has a power that no one else possesses unless it is temporarily granted to them for specific purposes. It's a power that shows control over the spiritual world. And Jesus always had this power, always has this power, always has this control, control and strength. It's inherent in his being. And in this story, In other stories, you're going to see this and you're going to wonder, why does he do this? Why does he almost cover his deity at times? Like just a little bit of it out. He's going to do that a little bit here. He's going to do that a little bit later. Now, before we jump into the actual story within the story here, let's go back to the beginning. How does Jesus most use this power and authority? How does he most use it? Through teaching of his gospel. The greatest usage of his power is in the teaching of his gospel, his proclamation of the kingdom. It's why the gospel is unlike anything else. It's why preaching scripture is not just giving a talk or delivering a message or public speaking. It's the dissemination of power when it's done correctly. By the way, it means that at the end of the story, when the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost onto the believer, it means that you or I can preach in the same power of this gospel. It means we can also possess the same power and authority that Jesus himself showed. 
because he sent his Holy Spirit. Because, said another way, because Jesus emptied himself on the cross of his power and authority. Now you and I can be filled with that same power and authority. Okay, now let's get into the story. And they were at his teaching for his word possessed authority. Now we understand what that means. And in the synagogue, notice where this happens. It doesn't happen at the club or the bar or some stereotypical like sinner's place, okay? It doesn't happen at a Game of Thrones watch party, okay? It happens. That was kind of a joke, but you know. Eh. And in the synagogue, the synagogue, church, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. So let's just cover this real quick. I got better demon stories for you later, not today. Later on in the summer, that's going to be fun. Um, but today, here's all we want to do. Do demons exist? Yes. Are they still present today? Yes. Can they influence and harm believers? Yes. Is every sickness, trouble, and difficulty a demon? No. How do we discern the difference? Through the Holy Spirit. What is the power over these demons? Jesus. Okay. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he, the demon, cried out with a loud voice, Ha! That's creepy. <laughs> if you were at church right now and somebody cried out, Ha! With the crazy eyes, that would creep you out. How I Met Your Mother reference number two. Everyone's like, what was number one? Figure it out. Ha! Ha! That's the demon. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Isn't it sad that sometimes demons know who Jesus is better than churchgoers? They knew who he was. They knew who he was. The demons did. They didn't worship him, though. And they asked the question of the ages. The question of the ages. Why are you here? Why did you come, Jesus? Why did you show up? Have you come to destroy us? Now notice this man who has the clear demon possession is in the synagogue surrounded by religion and it has no power to heal him. Because religion cannot change a life. It does not have authority over the enemy. But the demonic power is fully aware of Jesus' presence and power. Knowing who Jesus is doesn't mean you've surrendered to Jesus. In fact, knowing who Jesus, uh, knowing Jesus' power and his presence but not bowing to Jesus as king might just make you his opposition. The word here is destroy, to render one useless or to completely obliterate. And the demon asks the question of the ages, have you come to destroy us? Have you come to render us useless? Now, Jesus doesn't answer the question right there. Instead, he just says, be silent and come out of him. 
uses his word. One of the reasons this was so amazing is because in that time, any type of demonic exorcism happened through a lot of fancy tricks and a lot of potions and a lot of a kind of exercise and formality and all of this. And Jesus just looks and says, go. So be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. Jesus' word possessed authority. This man is possessed by a different type of authority. Certainly, this is a, a, a demonic authority. We already covered a, a very brief synopsis on demons. In this story, real, actual, we believe in the actual, literal presence of demons, right? That's why we're warned by Paul to wear our spiritual armor. But uh, even in that, Jesus is teaching sometimes and all throughout the rest of the gospels teaches that this is happening, but there's also something else happening here too. There's a spiritual thing happening here. Let me say it very clearly. Jesus did not come just to destroy demonic power. He came to destroy anything that possesses your heart. Anything that owns you or controls you. anything that you would worship more deeply, that you would give more space to in your heart. One of my favorite authors says, you want to know what you worship? Think about what you daydream about. Jesus didn't just come to win some cosmic spiritual battle. He did. He came to possess your heart. To be your heart's greatest love and the thing that it would worship the most. Now I've seen demonic influence over people. Not a bunch of times. I mean, it's possible somebody in here could be demonically influenced. Don't have to live that way. Jesus is more powerful. It's 100% likely that there could be many of us, though, and our heart is possessed by something other than Jesus, by fear, by comparison, by greed, by anger, by bitterness, by apathy, by jealousy. And that too, our heart must be rid of. That too, we must let Jesus come in and cast out. And to answer the demon's question, since Jesus didn't answer it directly, Jesus, did you come to render us useless? Did you come to completely obliterate us? Yes, he did. And then he did so. How do you defeat your enemy? By taking out its greatest weapon. What is the enemy's greatest weapon? Death. So what did Jesus do? He took the enemy on at his best offense. He went to the cross, took on the enemy's best weapon of death, 
conquered it three days later by rising from the grave. Completely rendering useless. Now, the devil knows, the enemy knows, evil knows. It still has a, a reign right now and an ability to try and possess people. We know from the own, our own sin in our hearts that we have a, a tendency to wander and to worship things other than Jesus. Which brings us back to the beginning. How then do we change our possession? We go back and we gaze at the beauty of the gospel. We look at Jesus. We see how beautiful this gospel is. That in our deepest sin, when either ourselves or the world wants to throw you away, Jesus came to rescue. And nothing can stop his gospel. And nothing can rival it. And we gaze into its beauty. Thanks for watching this video. If you want to learn more about our church, go ahead and click the link in the description or head on over to experienceredemption.com. Have a great week, guys.